We will hear two scripture passages this morning. The first is Psalm 30. And as I noted at the 8 o'clock service, I am loving the book of Psalms lately. They are deep and emotional. So at the beginning of this psalm, we hear desperation and agony. The psalmist is looking for God's forgiveness, redemption, and love. Aren't we all? And then our second reading is the baptism of Christ. You've heard mention of it a few times already. This is the passage that is always assigned to the Sunday after Epiphany. We go from baby Jesus to grown-up Jesus in one week. <laughs> there is almost nothing written about Jesus' youth. We'd love to know the details about his childhood, adolescence, and teen years. But for the gospel writers, those details don't seem to be very important. We could do a whole sermon series on this passage and on baptism. Baptism, as you know, is one of the two sacraments in our church. And this act of baptism can and does change lives. As theologian Stanley Hauer wrote, the story of Jesus is not simply one that is told, it must be enacted. Through baptism, we do not simply learn the story, we become part of the story. So for today, we are going to delve into God's words to Jesus after he was baptized and what they mean for us as individuals and as a community. Listen now to these words of scripture. Feel the emotion and know that despite the challenges on our life's journeys, God is always with us. From Psalm 130. Help God, the bottom has fallen out of my life. Master, hear my cry for help. Listen hard, open your ears. Listen to my cries for mercy. If you, God, kept records on wrongdoings, who would stand a chance? As it turns out, forgiveness is your habit, and that's why you're worshipped. I pray to God, my life of prayer, and wait for what he'll say and do. My life's on the line before God, my Lord, waiting and watching till morning. O Israel, wait and watch for God. With God's arrival comes love. With God's arrival comes generous redemption. And then from the book of Matthew. Jesus then appeared, arriving at the River Jordan from Galilee. He wanted John to baptize him. John objected. I'm the one who needs to be baptized, not you. But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now. For it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all the righteousness. Then he consented. The moment Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened up and he saw God's Spirit. It looked like a dove, descending and alighting upon him. And along with the Spirit, a voice, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. May God bless our understanding of this reading. Thanks be to God. 
water. Think of all the ways we use and need water. If I'm drinking it, I like it cold. But if I'm swimming in it, the warmer the better. Water. I remember when I was in seminary up in Boston, and I would stay over for a night or two as I was taking my classes, and often I would stay with my brother and my sister-in-law. Somehow, I got to, when I stayed, often give my nephew Aaron his bath. It wasn't my, necessarily, the activity I looked to for the most, but it ended up being the one I loved the most. You see, Aaron was three, four, and five, and we would play and giggle, and he was so excited to be in that water. And then we would lower the le a level and the water would go down and he would watch it drop by drop go down the drain. And we had a ritual of saying at the end, thank you, Wawa, thank you. A simple little phrase that reminded both young Aaron and me how blessed we were that we have access to water whenever we need it, and clean water at that. We know that we are utterly dependent on water for survival. It is our source and our substance. So perhaps it is not surprising then that water is throughout our faith. The creation story and the spirit moved over the water and then we come to the scripture that we heard this morning, and the role in the Christian narrative of water is where our faith begins. So each of the four Gospels have this passage about the baptism of Jesus. They're all a little different, but they all agree that Jesus was an adult and went down to the river where I picture he met this burly, wild-haired guy named John. And Jesus says to John, you baptize me. And John says, no, 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 no. That's not how it's supposed to go. You see, I have been talking about this person who's going to come, the Messiah. Jesus insists John baptizes him, and John does. So up until now, the story is not that sentimental, but then the sky rips open, light comes down, and a voice from above, I love you. You are my child. I am proud of you. If you read the different translations, I encourage you to go home. There's different translations of the Bible, King James, New Revised Standard Version, the message. Those words are always a little different. You are my beloved. But they always mean the same thing. I imagine that moment is very powerful for Jesus. And I picture it as a commissioning. You are loved, now go. Go and serve. And I imagine that Jesus in his ministry, when some moments got tough, that he remembered, I hope and pray, those words of God. 
This baptism is the first appearance of Jesus as an adult, and we see him right then when God speaks to him. I went out to coffee, or in my case, hot chocolate, with a colleague just a few days ago, and what do we talk about, but what are you preaching about? And are you preaching about the baptism of Christ? We both agreed. And then he told me this great story. He was a young clergy person in Maine, and he was doing this baptism, and he was so excited. And up comes Wiggly Timmy, who was about two years old, and his parents and his sponsors. And throughout the promises, when my colleague Jeff was asking the parents, they got through it, but they were holding tight to this little guy who was just wiggling and squirming. And then Jeff was able to baptize him, and he settled for a minute. And then Jeff, as he was introducing him to the congregation, placed little Timmy on the floor, and little Timmy bolted out the center aisle and ran out the front door of the church. <laughs> Jeff says it was like a prolonged, he thought he was standing there for a few minutes, but really it was just the shock that the child he just baptized ran out the front door, the mom did follow, and the baby came back. But Jeff, upon reflection, was saying that maybe little Timmy just got it. He understood that he was blessed, that he was a child of God, that this community loved and supported him, and he was ready to go do his work. <laughs> For the past two weeks, I've had the privilege of baptizing children in our community. I can't quite see the Gantleys back there. There's a big pole in the way, but there they are. I often say to families, baptizing children is one of my favorite parts of my job because it brings together so many elements of ministry and what I believe is the core of how we are to live as people of faith. First, we are blessing a child. We are proclaiming that a child is beloved to God. That child was loved by God before we baptized the child. But we are publicly exclaiming that. And then you and I and all the people gathered on behalf of the larger church is saying, I will support and care and love this child. If we go out into the real world, the world isn't always like that, right? Loving, supportive, and caring. So in some ways, church is countercultural. In some ways, what we do at the church matters more than anything else. You see, do we always get it right and love and support and care? No. But do we strive to do that every single day? Yes. Throughout our lives, we claim for ourselves labels or the world puts them on us. Liberal conservative, straight, gay, fat, skinny, ugly, beautiful, wimp, courageous, successful, failure. We know these labels. We live with these labels. And yet the most important one, we can wipe those all clean is beloved child of God. Baptism is deeply personal. 
It is something that we need to claim for our truth. We are named, not numbered. But baptism is also deeply communal. We are baptized into the body of Christ. In baptism, we come to know that we are not alone. We are part of something bigger. So the children that I got to baptize, Tessa, Conroy, and Patrick Gantley, these past two weeks, there are kids. Sometimes we do baptisms for families we don't know, and those are special too. But when there are kids, we know these children will be in our congregation. So the kids, the littler guys, came up for the baptism last week, if you were here for Patrick's baptism. And they too promised their love, support, and care. And after the baptism was done, which I wish you could have seen it, because Patrick was a little uncertain of me in the beginning, but then once the water was on his head, gave me the biggest grin. But once the baptism was done, I went down to the kids and I knelt down with baby Patrick and I said, can you say to me or to him, welcome to the family? And for once they didn't, you know, make a noise or whatever. They said, welcome to the family loudly. And I said to them, you have to help Patrick to grow up, to, you have to support him and love him and care for him. I get chills thinking about that moment because what an awesome privilege we have to raise these children and for them to know that no matter how small they are, they are part of our family. When I was in seminary, one of the professors told a story about when he was pastoring a church and how one Sunday morning there was a nondescript woman sitting towards the back of the church. And after the service, she came up to him and said, I need to have my grandson baptized. And he explained how he would have to meet with the parents and talk to them about what baptism means. And the woman looked down, somewhat ashamed, and said, we don't know who the father is and my daughter is only 19. But the pastor didn't miss a beat and said, I'll meet with her and of course I will baptize that child. And so on the morning of the baptism, the mother and the baby came forward into the front of the church. And in this particular church, the pastor always asked, who stands with this child? The pastor asked, who stands with this child? And that grandmother, still somewhat ashamed, stood up slowly. And the pastor was waiting to see if anyone else would stand up. You see, a 19-year-old girl having a baby without being married wasn't something that this small town liked. The pastor waited, and finally, one of the leaders in the community and deacons in the church stood up, and then his wife, and then one of the sixth grade church school teachers stood up, and a few members of the beloved choir. Friends, we have a really important job <clears throat> to stand up 
and to take care of each other. One of my colleagues, after she does a baptism, holds that child and walks down the center aisle with the child and introduces them and says, this is Abigail. She belongs to God. She also belongs to us. Whether we like it or not, we belong to each other, each of us, a beloved child of God. Amen.